This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. America, Jeremy Clements pulled off an upset for the ages at Road America last season, and he is hoping to do it again this year. He's going to join us on the show today. Road America can be a tough place to navigate. Parker is going to jump into the NBCSN iRacing simulator to show us which parts of the track are the most treacherous, and we will go back under the lights at Bristol Motor Speedway to listen to all of the radios in Scannell. This week's audio does not disappoint, and with that, we welcome you into NASCAR America, Carol Lamano, Parker Kligerman, our Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett here as well. Thanks for being with us. Let's start with the playoff standings in the Monster Energy Cup Series and pull them up. So as the season heads for an off weekend, 12 drivers have qualified for the playoffs, leaving four spots to be decided with two regular season races to go. Kyle Larson's second place finish on Saturday at Bristol locked him into the playoffs on points, but after the race, he was more dejected than excited. Kyle Larson will have to settle for another runner-up finish here at Bristol. Kyle, how much more did you think that the fresh tires would have advantage on track position there at the end? Uh, I think if I would have had a better car, uh, tires probably would have showed uh, what they're really capable of. Um, just a really frustrating day. Our DC Solar Chevy was not very good from lap one to lap 500 there, but we fought and uh, got a second place finish out of it. So, um, you know, happy about running second, but uh, just disappointed, you know, because I had a lot of confidence going into this race and, and thought our car was really good, but we were probably a 12th to 15th place car. I thought just uh, lined up in the right restarts about every time and was able to, you know, gain some spots on every restart and then you know, maintain and then uh, would be terrible there towards the end of the run. So frustrating, but uh, we were able to fight. So that's, you know, good for our team to be able to be able to do that. Our pit stops, you know, aside from the first one, were really good. So uh, happy about that. And uh, we'll just continue to fight. We need to get our cars a lot better. Parker, what strikes you most about that interview? Uh, the sweat and looking a little bit actually wore out. I'd never seen that out of Kyle Larson. You know, when he won the race the night prior in the Xfinity Series race, I joined him in victory lane. He looked like he'd never even ran a race or had broken a sweat at all. And there, you see, he looked pretty wore out. And I think that's indicative of where he finds those cards. He's having to work very hard inside that 42 car, which he mentioned that, you know, they struggled throughout the night. And he works very hard. But that is something that this race team is kind of trending in the wrong direction, DJ, because if he's having to work harder to run, it, to get a second place finish really on strategy when I really think that car ran outside the top 15 for most of the night, yeah. then that is not a good sign going forward. Yeah, we can simplify it by saying, uh, old saying, that he made chicken salad out of something else. And basically <laughs> is what he's saying there. And he went on to later on be in the press room and, and probably be as dejected as I've heard Kyle Larson be uh, throughout his years in, in driving these cars. I think that this is a race team that came out of the box. Yeah, the Chevrolet, uh, the new Camaro hasn't been good for any of those teams, but he was able to find a way because of things I would assume that they had from last year that were brought forward and that helped them be able to compete. 
They've stayed in that. They have not made any improvement from that standpoint, and they've got a championship-caliber driver driving this car. It's the only way it finished second the other night because he had no business being there and getting that, but he made that. That's what championship drivers do, but they're going to have to up that level once again to get race cars to where he can compete whenever they get into the playoffs, or he'll find himself battling trying to get through and out of round two. Playoffs are not that far away. How far away are they? Well, you know, I think last week we talked a little bit about this, and I made the, the mention last week, I think it was Victor Lap, that, you know, it's okay for the 42 to sometimes have off days because I feel like, as you said, Kyle Larson sort of elevates that team to a level that maybe sometimes they don't even have that level of equipment. I mean, you compare his, himself and his results compared to the one car of Jay McMurray. So I, I think you see a driver that's able to do a lot, and if he has a slightly off day at all, then that's going to show up dramatically in their performance. And I think when you look at Bristol, why he was so dejected, he is a driver that feels like if you give him a 10th place car, yeah. He's going to find a way to run for the win late in that race or find a way to be put in a position like he was with a couple laps to go on a late race restart with four new tires and put up a challenge for the win. But he was not given that chance because that yeah. car was just simply not fast enough. There's yeah. a driver that's been really consistent over the last five races, and that is Chase Elliott. He's averaged a fifth-place finish in that span of five races. I know we've been searching for the fourth driver to join the big three. DJ, in your opinion, has Chase Elliott shown that he is, in fact, the driver that is closest to assuming that position. You know, I'm ready to put Chase in there where Kyle Larson, who we were just talking about, I thought that he was probably that fourth person. But t just take a look at the numbers here. It just shows big improvements have been made. They made some chassis changes at Hendrick Motorsports that all of their drivers now have. And Chase Elliott is certainly showing that he has the performance to make all of this happen. Of course, the big win at Watkins Land got that part out of the way, but they've been running really, really well. And so they're basically trending in the right way where they're making improvements as they approach the playoffs. And that's not the case for a number of other teams. And, and Larson's team was one of those that we just talked about. I really believe that Chase Elliott has put himself in that fourth spot for the time being. If they can continue improving and him making good, good decisions, especially on restarts. I know that you know he did a great job in, in winning his race uh, on restarts, but you have to continue that throughout the playoffs. You can't be giving up positions late in the races. But if he does that, he has a good chance of joining the other three, whether it's the big three, but the other three, whoever that is, at Homestead Racing for a championship. And you said a good point there, time B. Now, I want to clarify as well that I don't believe we've all been searching for the big four, the fourth member of the of the uh, championship four because I've always been convinced it's a two-car Brad Keselowski this whole time. <laughs> so I, I, I want to say, clarify, I have not been searching now in the last couple weeks and especially after Brad's this past weekend. For something. He yeah. might be searching for something and I don't feel as confident in my pick. And I see those numbers being put up by Chase Elliott and I think you said it best, time being. Right now, yes, that team is on, but can they continue this trajectory? Can they continue to improve in this fashion that they have in, in these large amounts that they have. You know, I'd love to see a little bit more consistency out of his teammates. You know, I said yesterday in the show that I felt like the run this Saturday night for the 48 was a positive run, right? Mm -hmm. But we want to see the 48 really challenging up yeah. front if we feel like the Hendrick Motorsports cars are really taking the leaps and bounds forward that they're going to need to combat that big three as we get in the playoffs. So that's just something that we can't really, you know, time will tell. We can't tell the future right now. But I think when you look at those numbers, he's, for the time being, asserted himself as that fourth best car. Yeah, when you start winning stages as he did, then you're making a difference. You're running up front. You're leading laps and there's a lot of other drivers that have aspirations of being a part of the championship four that aren't doing that if you can't put yourself in that position you can't expect to challenge for a win so while we're looking at this 
group of last five races. You look at a driver like Denny Hamlin. He has not started in those last five races worse than seventh place. Why are the results not there for Denny Hamlin? This is one of the more perplexing situations, I think, in the Cup Series of 2018. And that is that this team continually shows speed at times. Lots of speed. I mean, winning two poles recently. I mean, this team has just obviously got the ability to turn a fast lap. But they have not been able to to translate that into good race finishes. And I spoke to Mike Wheeler, his crew chief, this past weekend. And, you know, they were very optimistic going into the, the race Saturday night. Now, they got involved in that lap two wreck and had a lot of damage. They had to pit multiple times, fix it. But then they were given opportunities to be put back in the top ten, even the top five. But then when he got there, it just did not seem like they had the speed that they've shown at times on one lap. There just wasn't there. It's like they didn't keep up the track. I know they keep saying that they have the speed and they just simply need to execute. But I'm, I'm very perplexed by the 11 car, and I, I don't know if there's a simple fix. Yeah. But I think that the thing that has kept them positive and why they keep showing up and saying they're, they're very positive about things is because of that speed. Yeah. You know, because that's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, I look at trying to find speed sometimes that you get off course, so to speak. And I'll use a golf. Somebody chasing, trying to hit their driver 20 yards further. Well, you might do that, but you're over in the rough or in the trees. And I kind of see that with what they're doing. They're finding that speed, but they're not able to translate that into getting uh, opportunities to race for a win. And Denny Hamlin's had some really good race tracks that he has historically performed very well at, and he hasn't even been in the race. And I know that he got in that the other night. Well, his teammate was in that yeah. wreck. They well, created it, it and took a race car that was torn all to hell and almost won the race. Well, I so, was thinking, I was thinking you know. when he passed him, Denny must have been sitting there going, wait, what? He doesn't yeah. have a car have a car right now. Yeah. I, it, it's it's crazy. And, you know, the thing is, when you speak to that team, and speaking to Mike Wheeler, you know, he made the comment to me that, you know, you feel like when we're looking for that fourth best driver, Denny, through a lot of people, would be, on talent lies alone, sure, that fourth absolutely. best driver, or, or as good as any of them. So yes. you're just thinking, like, what is missing? What is that X factor that we're all missing or that 11 car is missing to go and get those finishes to show up for their speed? All right, we'll leave it there for now because we have a special guest that's getting ready to join us this week in Xfinity Series driver Jeremy Clements returns to Road America where he delivered a stunning upset last summer. So how confident is he in his ability to do it again? We're going to find out next when he joins us right here on NASCAR America. Stay with us for Jeremy. We'll be back right after this. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. off this weekend. Fans have plenty to look forward to. Hall of Famer Bill Elliott is back as the Xfinity Series hits Road America that Saturday at 3 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Jeremy Clements had gone winless in more than 250 Xfinity Series starts when he came to Road America last summer. But after a dramatic finish, he finally had his day in the sun. We began the day saying only a miracle would get certain drivers into the playoffs. Jeremy Clements was one of them. Coming to the final corner of the track and diving down to the inside, Jeremy Clements oh. now contact with Matt Tiff. They both spin. I believe Clements is still going to have the lead. He's got it righted. Jeremy Clements comes to one lap to go. He's got the miracle in sight now. The 32-year-old from Spartanburg, South Carolina, has found his way into the playoffs by winning at Road America. I don't even know what to say. I'm just shocked. I mean, this is a car built in 2008. I, I just can't believe it. I, I, I'm just it's like, is this real? I'm sorry, I'm out of breath, but I'm just, I'm shocked. I, I didn't even know what to do. So, whew. thank you guys so much. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. 
Many people enjoyed the show. Jeremy joins us now on the phone. Thanks for being with us. How often do you think about that day? Well, thank you guys for having me. I think about it a lot. It was probably the best day of my life, to, to be honest. So really looking forward to going back there and, and uh, trying to win again. I'm, I was so excited. I couldn't, like I said in that video, I couldn't believe that happened. And I want to do better next time at what to say. So I'll, I'll be better prepared. But, man, what a what an awesome day. And uh, it was a huge blessing from the good Lord above to finally win one of those races. Uh, you know, a small family team, and uh, I know everybody's heard that over and over. So uh, just a huge blessing. Can't wait to go back. You know, we have heard that it's a small family team, and, and the fact that you mentioned that the car was built in 2008, but explain for us truly what that win did for your team. It, it's such a small group compared to some organizations that have so much more going for them, and you were able to pull it off. What did it mean for the team? Well, there's a lot of guys on our team that never won and, and have been in the sport for a long time. I think of Gary Raven and Dave Farrow, those guys have been on our team forever and uh, and on other teams for Morgan Shepard and all those guys. To give different guys like that a win was, was great. And to give my dad, uh, Tony Clement, Danny Gill, and Tommy Blackwell, just all our group that's been together for so long uh, a win was very special to me for sure. And, uh, and then our sponsor, repairablevehicles.com, Jeff, uh, his man, Brad's manager was there with us and their guys. So it was, uh, it couldn't have been any better. And then we were on prime time, you know, NBC and, uh, we had, you know, I think 2 million something viewers that day. So it was just huge. We couldn't have planned that any better. And going into that race, I really had no idea that we, we even had a shot at winning. We had, uh, knocked the front end off that car at mid-Ohio two weeks prior. And going in to Road America, I didn't even think that car was going to drive straight. So I just had no idea we had a shot at winning. And we took off that day. We didn't get to qualify, so we started uh, 25th, I believe. But uh, we started off, and I was passing cars I shouldn't be even be racing with. So I was like, man, I don't know what's going on, but pretty cool. And then we got to the lead and led a lot and hit it and come back out. And I was like, we, we might have a shot at this. So what a, what a truly special day, something I'll never forget. And when I was listening to uh, Dave Burns and Dale call it back, it was uh, giving me chills for sure. Jeremy, that really is. I mean, it, it brought a smile from all of us as we were watching that too. But I, I guess a couple of things. Do you have a new car? And uh, after that win, has it helped financially to, as far as getting more sponsorship and, and people to look your direction to help your small team? We do have a newer car. It's only four years old <laughs> compared <laughs> to the 10-year-old one we raced actually at Watkins Glen in Mid-Ohio this year. But really looking forward to bringing that newer car out. It's going to have some suspension in the front end that we couldn't run the other one because it's so old so i'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes it should be faster for sure well uh i'm really looking forward to that but um and yeah the sponsorship um, unfortunately nothing big came out of it but it definitely we're able to cast a lot more lines in the water you know go fishing for more sponsors and uh and there's always talks of course but it's hard to really land that big one, but our uh, our other sponsors have came and, and done more for us, like RepairableVehicles.com and All South Electric and BRT Extrusions. Those guys have stepped up more this year and helped us out more just 
knowing that we hey these guys can win so we need to try to help them more but uh yeah we we need to go win another one don't we and and hopefully <laughs> Something else will come about. No doubt. Hey, I want to take a look back at this past weekend. You finished 13th, and you said you were. it was one of the happiest you've ever been finishing 13th because <laughs> I heard you had a left rear shock mount break. I mean, how did you drive that thing with no left rear shock? Well, Parker, it was tough. I'll tell you that. We took off, and the car was bobbing out bad. It was hitting the truck arm out, and I was like, man, what have, what have we done this thing? This thing is just junk i don't know how it's this bad i was like you need to look over everything when we come in the first pit stop danny gill radioed and said your left rear shock mount is broke off <laughs> and i'm like what do you mean how does that happen <laughs> i never even heard of that so you're saying the left rear shock's not even on the car he's like it's on but not it's not hooked to the rear end i was like oh my gosh i was like well i guess we'll just keep going because they said it would take a few laps to you know come in and fix it and I didn't want to lose any laps, of course. So, yeah, we just soldiered on, and we raised the car up, tightened it up a ton so I could drive it in the corner, and it was bouncing and wheel hopping. And <laughs> it was a handful for sure, but I was just so happy to finish 13th. Wow, that was great. It didn't take us out, you know, for a bad points night or anything. Wow, that's incredible. And, and doing that at Bristol is amazing. Hey, I'm sure that you've heard and know that uh, a Hall of Famer, Bill Elliott, is going to be in the race this weekend with you at, at Road America. Uh, not many not many chances you get because Hall of Famers come along five years after they've retired, and, but now Bill's coming out of retirement. So any special treatment for him? Or if you find him leading, do you dare move a Hall of Famer, Bill Elliott, out of the way to win? Well, first off, it's going to be a huge uh, honor to race against Bill Elliott. Uh, I, I've actually raced against Bill in but it's been a long time. I can't remember if I got to race with Bill any in the Nationwide Series before he uh, retired, but it's going to be a huge honor, like I said, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I will put the fender to Bill if I have to. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Rock on. <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, I'm just kidding. But Dale, <laughs> let's ask you the question. Bill's coming back. You might as well plan a race and come back. Oh, gosh. No. Oh, no. I'll let Bill handle that. I'll just talk him through his. How about yeah. that? Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy, we love it. Thank you so much. Best of luck moving forward. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you guys for having me. I hope everybody enjoys the action. Make sure you're checking it out on the Xfinity Internet this weekend. Okay, we Thanks, will. Um, all right, so if you watched Saturday's Bristol Night Race with us, you know that there was action all over the place. Coming up, Scandal, going to bring you the best sights and sounds from another wild evening at the last great Coliseum. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. Earlier today, IndyCar released an update on the health of driver Robert Wickens, who was severely injured in a crash Sunday at Pocono. He's in stable condition at a hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania. He had successful surgery last night to stabilize a fracture that was associated with a spinal cord injury. The severity of the spinal cord injury is still unknown at this time. He is expected to have more surgeries to treat fractures to his lower extremities and also his right forearm. We'll continue to keep you posted on that. Meantime, his fellow IndyCar drivers have him on their minds as they prepare to race again on Saturday night. This morning, Indy 500 champ Will Power tweeting that he has not been sleeping well. Can't stop thinking about Robert Wickens. Hashtag keep praying. And we are thinking of him as well and also his family. Meantime, back in NASCAR, Saturday night's race had plenty of short track fireworks. So let's listen to a wild night under the lights with Scanall Bristol. 
we're getting ready to rock here at Crystal. All right, bud. See what we can do here under the light. There's no other half-mile high-banked crazy racetrack that makes the drivers blood boil like this place does. 500 laps, a long, long time. A lot of happens here. Just got to stay in the game no matter what. Got a good car? Let's do it. Let's win this as a team. The Bass Pro Shop's inner eight night race is underway. Kyle Busch gets sideways coming off of turn four and a pile up in the middle. It's lap two. Well, that didn't take long. Oh, that one guy still didn't know they were wrecking. They're rolling in there. Great Golding hits late. 99 came flying by. I don't know what he was doing. Well, that 99 still ain't lifting. They hit Kyle. Everybody hit Kyle. The dude that started last hit Kyle. Son of a We're killed. I got shoved into it. Uh, Truex ran over the splitter, the nose part. Couldn't stop. Pretty slick on the bottom, I can tell you that. 41's going to have to pit or else this hood's going to blow up. Check your damage here if you got it. Oh, yeah, we got damage. Right where the hood flap is. He hit you in the door. He didn't, he didn't hit the wheel. I don't know what your steering wheel situation feels like. Seem that bad. If it's off, it's just a tick to the left, but I think it's okay. It definitely looks salvageable. It's going to be one to go. Hit the rabbit. You got to bring it to me. We're gonna lose a lap, let's do it. Take the tire off and beat it. Larson now feeling a challenge from Kurt Busch. Now we're a long ways away from being average. Bush is two laps down, Blaney is trying to make him three. All right, here's the deal, we're two down on our own lap right now. Just hit your mark. Right now he's driving away from Blaney. 18 still going. Yeah, we're just managing the gap to Blaney. And he's missing that tailpiece. That should increase downforce on the back of the car. The 18, you can't run like that without a bumper cover, right? Well, I didn't think so. That new bumper's got to help, don't you think? Yeah, it helps on a street shot. Got to help on that. But you had to have a rear bumper cover. Is that not the case? I don't think so. I think they don't tell how they, they make you. I'm driving all I got, man, believe me. I don't know what to, what to do different here. He's been struggling all night. I'm may left in the stage. Get me through this damn thing. Stretch. Busher gets the worst of it. He's got a tough 
just so much there when you listen back to the scandal but we talked a lot on yesterday's nascar america about clint boyer maybe not mentally being prepared to capitalize on that moment choking a little bit and the thing that stood out to me even though it was so small dj was kurt bush seemed ready for that moment it's yes. just very even keeled towards the end of that and you can hear that reflected in the radio it's remarkable absolutely yeah and and already 480 laps into a race like that and to be that calm and understand but he had full confidence and he knew exactly what he needed to do that's what it takes. We heard Chris Busher uh, have yes. an issue with Jimmy Johnson. Does that get us to our running with the pack? It does. He'll be our first driver we're talking about because, you know, the thing is, where he had that frustration with Jimmy Johnson, he was having an excellent run. It was yeah. an incredible run. So let's see. Scroll down here on our touch screen a little bit. Hold on. We'll get down to it. Way we'll further down that. than what we should Not have. Trevor yet. We'll get to you, Trevor. Stop trying to steal <laughs> the moment. Right here. He ran as high as third this weekend. That was huge for that 37 car. And he really looked like he was on pace to have a top 10. He was solidly in the top 10 there when that happened. And just got squeezed so it was this finish is not indicative of the speed that Chris Buescher had this past weekend I think it was a really solid run for him you know when I was watching him race the other night he was had, he did everything right it reminds me of how he gets good finishes at the plate races because he does such a good job of staying out of trouble and not putting himself in bad positions but he got put in the wrong spot a couple of times late in this race and didn't get the night that he really deserves or the finish that he deserved and I think the toughest thing for him is when he was up there is you know when you're in a car that maybe is not top five material, yep. you're going to get swamped in yep. that situation late in a race like he did, and he just was not able to protect himself like he does so well so often. Yep. So good run for him. Didn't get the finish he deserved, but we really have to give him a shout-out. Next up is the car that finished last on the lead lap, and that is Casey Kane in the 95 for Elite Levine Family Racing. Their second-best finish this season of 15th place. They had the fourth at Daytona, and this was just a solid run because of what happened leading this weekend. You know, Casey Kane yeah. announces he's retiring. He stepped away from the sport. This has not been the year. The, have not lived up to the expectations they maybe had this year, and then they go out there and have a solid run like this. Yeah, I think that means a lot that they can do that, overcome such news that, because all of a sudden everybody's thinking and said, okay, we're going to Bristol where our driver does a good job. He's making a, an announcement that he's not going to be around. So what's going to happen? You know, it's hard. It's hard enough place when you have 100% focus on that, but when it starts getting away a little bit. But Casey Kane, being the professional he is, went and did his job, and they had a very solid night again. Very solid. Now you can see he has a little bit of scars there, some little Bristol bruises a little bit, <laughs> but he was able to fight through it and finish on the lead lap. So an excellent run for the 95. And now let's jump up the guy that was trying to jump in this earlier, Trevor Bain. <laughs> he was just so excited because he had an excellent run. You can look here. All right, so his average running position this season in the 15 races he's done prior to Bristol was 22.7. His average running position at Bristol, 12.5, and he wow. finished 11th, 10 yeah. spots better. This was an incredible run for Trevor Bain, who, let's be honest, you know, entered this season thinking, all right, I have a full-time ride. Yeah. I'm going to be doing the whole season. Halfway through, basically, is told that Matt Kenseth can be stepping in there, that he's lost races, and he goes to basically what is his home racetrack, being from Knoxville, Tennessee, and has a great run at Bristol. So this was just had to be a stellar night for him. Oh, it, just amazing to watch him perform there. I mean, every time I looked up, this car was running in the top 10, and he really didn't expect that. You know, we went in 
into the race thinking that his teammate, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., might be looking to get a win to move into the playoffs or something. But actually, Trevor outperformed all night, was just very solid at doing that. And to be in the position that he was put in, as you talked about, and be able to go there knowing how much this track meant to him. They gave him a good race car. They did their job on pit road, and he did an outstanding job all night on the racetrack, keeping out of trouble and getting a great finish in 11th. And that concludes our running of the pack. Yes. There's a couple guys that we really thought excelled beyond their situation. It is funny, though, because we mentioned these storylines with Trevor and Matt Kenseth, and then we just kind of forget about them for a moment. But for a driver, mentally, that's something you're carrying with you the whole entire year, and the expectations to perform just must be massive. No doubt. And, you know, as you mentioned, you go to a place that you have confidence that you've maybe run well before. It's a home track, and you're thinking, I just need a good, solid night, and that's what Trevor Bain got. So if there's other owners out there or teams that he might be speaking to, they might be able to look at the finish and say, hey, look, I still got it. I can yeah. still do this. Give me a chance. All right, so that is this installment of Running with the Pack. But now it is time for Parker to wow. run with the pack. Oh, yes. In the yeah. NBC do my best. I Racing Simulator, he's going to take us around Road America. I hear turn five is a bit of a tough one. <laughs> Parker, let's see if you got the chops. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Big weekend ahead at Road America. The headliner, of course, Hall of Famer Bill Elliott. But his appearance in the race may not have happened without the convincing of his son, Chase. Chase explained how it all came together in this week's NASCAR on NBC podcast. It was honestly just it was just a casual conversation. We were, we were talking about what races they, they had open and, and, uh, and so on throughout the rest of the year. Road America came up, and I said, hey, you know, y'all know Dad's been driving some, some races, you know, here and there, uh, SVRA stuff and, and old stock cars, you know, not really not that old, but stock cars and, and those races. I was, y'all ought to put him in there for that race, and yeah, that's a good idea. So <laughs> that was kind of the extent of what I did, and, and they kind of took it from there and reached out to him, and, and uh, he was interested in, you know, in driving and, and having some fun, and I think that that's been the cool part is, you know, GMS is, is such a fun group to work with and they just want to go have fun, you know, and the opportunities there to go drive and, and thought it'd be cool for them to go do it. You can hear the rest of the conversation with Nate Ryan, by the way, when the pod drops tomorrow morning uh, with Chase. Bill Elliott also going to be our guest on tomorrow's NASCAR America. And a very fun note about this race that Chase is actually going to be one of the spotters at Road America for Bill. Well, I guess that's they're just trading off. So he didn't have to pay Bill for spotting for him at Watkins Glen. Oh, it's a paycheck so thing. We'll see if he's able to do as good a job <laughs> as what his dad did for him, though. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to watch. Bill's so talented that, uh, and I've heard he's done great in those races that he's been uh, running leading up to this. Yeah, we had Ray Evernham on the show um, a couple weeks ago, and they've yeah. been involved in this together. And he said, yeah, we're just having the best time. Fans have just gone nuts for this concept. They are so excited to see him back. It's going to be so interesting to watch. But uh, he's going to have his hands full if he's planning on running up front with these guys. These <laughs> guys get after it. All right, Parker. Um, Parker's in the NBC SNI Racing Simulator with more on the challenges at Road America. Show us what Bill is up against here. Right, Kellen. Well, the first thing he's going to be up against is this big hill on the front straightaway as we're coming up to the gear shoot. You'll get up to third. We're going to do a lap here just to take you around this 14-turn, four-mile road course. One of the greatest road courses in North America. So you head down into turn one, over 170 miles an hour. Hard on the brakes, down in the third, down in the second gear. It's easy to overdrive this corner. I kind of did that a little bit. 
follow this guy in front of us. He drops a tire there. Back up to third towards turn two, and then you're back down to second. Hard on the brakes, easy to overdrive this, and this is one of the most important corners because you get a run onto this long straightaway that we're coming on to now. Up to third gear. Eventually we'll get up to fourth gear again and approaching 165 miles an hour as we head off into turn five over here. One of the hardest corners because you're hard on the brakes, down to third, down to second, and all the way down to first gear. Really slow, 40 miles an hour at the center of this corner. Incredibly slow corner. Then back up to second. Now you have another blind left-hander here into turn six. Really easy to get the rear end light there and lose it. Back on the throttle again into turn seven. Oh, we'll try not to run in the back of this guy. He missed the corner a little bit. Sorry, bud. <laughs> I'm gonna move out of the way or something. Oh, he's blocking me. Now, oh no, we got another one on the track here. Hard on the brakes again here. Down into second gear. We're gonna get, we got all sorts of traffic. Guy going off. This is exciting. This is what this race is normally like anyway. This is how you make passes. You hope others make mistakes. You head into the carousel here. This is one of the longest corners, I think, in all of NASCAR, maybe the world. Uh, you just feel like you're in it forever, and then you come out of here, you make short shift up the third, and you head towards the kink. This is a really fast corner, just a dab of the brake, roll a ton of speed over 115 miles an hour through the center of it, back hard on the throttle, and heading towards Canada Corner where it feels like you're going 1,000 miles an hour because you have all the shadows from the trees. You slam down on the brakes in the Canada Corner, all the way back to second gear. You can roll a lot of speed in here. They put all that runoff right there for you, although it's really bumpy. Now into turn 13, a fast left-hander, uphill. You can't really see it till you get to the exit there. And then into the final corner, turn 14. This is where we saw Jeremy and Matt Tiff get together in the closing laps of last year's race. Really easy to kind of get together there because it invites you to turn in early. But as we come down the front stretch, that is a lap. It wasn't a very fast lap, but it was a lap in Road America. But I want to come to a stop because I want to talk about that one corner back at the beginning of the lap, turn five. And the reason being is because it's probably the best passing zone, but one of the craziest places on the racetrack. And DJ, I want to bring you in here as we talk about this turn five. Yeah, we see a lot happen here, especially on these the, the start of the race, the, the restarts that we have as these cars are, are in there all together. Everything that can, can take place here. Or you mentioned how tough it is just going through there yourself, but as you get cars all around you, you have to spend time looking ahead of you knowing exactly what you've got to do, but also looking in the mirror to make sure that somebody's not trying to get to your inside here. Exactly. And the thing is, oh, who is that? Who that was 77. That? Hey, Parker, I like that. Three for one, buddy. <laughs> exactly. You know, I was going for the 54, and I got two for, you know, two more in that, buy, in that bargain right there. But, hey, look, the thing is, the reason that corner is so intense is because you go down to first gear, 40 miles per hour. So here we are. We're going to go back onto the... Uh, under the simulator now. We're going to head down towards turn five. Oh, I've way overdriven this turn right here, turn two. But I want to head down there again and talk about a little bit why you go in there and you, you feel like you can bring more speed and why we see it as a passing zone and why we see mistakes. So we're heading down the straightaway again. Remember, 165 miles per hour. We're going to go on the bumper cam here. And when you go to the bumper cam, you can't see the corner. You're already braking. You're holding on the brakes. Down a second. Down a second there. First lock the rears a little bit. Oh, I overcooked it. But you see there, that you are breaking before you ever even see the corner. And now imagine trying to do that while there's other cars around you and you're trying to outbreak them and make a pass. That is why turn five might be one of the best passing zones, but also one of the craziest spots on the racetrack. Hey Parker, this looks to me like, and I haven't driven either track, but for the Xfinity guys, 
that it's a combination of a very technical uh, track at Mid-Ohio and a very fast road course at, at Watkins Glen. But this seems to combine a little bit of both. Exactly, DJ. It is drag strips and braking zones, as we like to say at Road America, because it seems like you're always going all the way up to fourth gear and then all the way back to second, maybe first gear, and down to 50 miles an hour. So it's just consistently that you're going to the top end of the speed range and all the way back down corner by corner, and it just makes it very complex place. It looks exhausting. Uh, I mean, in four miles, that's a lot going <laughs> on. 14, yeah, a lot of shifting, a lot of other things. I hope these Xfinity drivers aren't watching how Parker knocked three people out of the way at once, but <laughs> it, it does. Hey, if you're going to make one guy mad, why not get three of them at one time <laughs> oh, and you didn't have to mess with them? Exactly. I, I just sent a group text afterwards. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> just get it over with. Make everybody mad. All right, Parker, thank Yes, we hope uh, that the Xfinity drivers uh, fare maybe a little bit better than what we just saw from Quigerman. It's all good, though. Next up on the Cup schedule, a visit to the track too tough to tame. So coming up, Ty Dillon's going to reveal his paint scheme for the throwback weekend at Darlington. Stay with us. Darlington is supposed to be the meanest racetrack. This is Darlington International Raceway, the granddaddy of them all. This oval produced victors of uncommon valor. Kale Yarbrough and Dave Pearson are moving to a showdown. People are talking about it too tough to tame, and I said, if anybody's going to tame it, I'm going to try to tame it. Bill Elliott has won an additional $1 million. The lady in black has held up well. With all her southern spellbinding charm, this is a lady you'll never forget. NASCAR paying tribute to seven decades of racing and the legends that made them special in this year's Southern 500 at Darlington next Sunday, September 2nd, right here on NBCSN. Do not miss it. Ty Dillon revealed his throwback scheme earlier today. He is in his second season with Jermaine Racing, and his throwback is inspired by the team's early years in the Monster Energy Cup Series with drivers such as Max Pappas and Casey Mears. Our Dylan, Dylan Welch, spoke with Ty about his vintage look for Darlington and the challenges associated with the track too tough to tame. With Ty Dillon at the Jermaine Racing Shop, so seeing the car now, what do you think? I love it. It's really cool, and and this is a throwback to really our appreciation for Geico. They've sponsored Jermaine Racing for 10 years. Uh, drivers like myself, Max Pappas, and Casey Mears. This is specifically thrown back to the original race that Max Pappas ran for the first time with Jermaine Racing. So it's really cool to see this car, and it looks really good. The Darlington race has, over the last few years, taken on such a different kind of personality and feel kind of of its own. How much fun is it for you as drivers to be able to be a part of something like that with all the different throwback schemes? Yeah, for me, growing up in the sport, watching a lot of the schemes that are being ran um, at a young age, it's really cool to see them come back. And last year we had the Smoky Eunuch uh, 13, and it looked really cool. So that was a great moment. And then we bring it back to another car that I watched on the racetrack quite a bit. And it's cool to honor the history of our sport, and I think Darlington's done a wonderful job of that. What is about what about Darlington for you is makes it so challenging? I think just racing the track, you know, the old cliche of Darlington, it'll it'll jump out, she'll bite you. And um, it's one of the toughest tracks, but it's probably one of my favorite tracks. Uh, just being able to race right up against the wall and, and kind of moving your lane around. It seems like the last couple of years, the bottom has come in a little bit more, a little bit off the wall. Uh, but you can also get up there and hustle around and make some speed. So it's becoming a really, really fun track and one that I look forward to going to. 
you've got a year under your belt in the cup car now. Will that help you going back to a place as challenging as that? I think so. Going back for a second year in the cup car will, will definitely benefit me. Darlington's a place that years of experience really helped there. So um, going back for year number two, hopefully we can improve on a really good run we had there last year. Before we get there, though, it's an off week on the schedule. You got any, got any big plans? Uh, I think we're going to go out west to, to Washington for a couple of days with my wife's family and spend a little time out there. And then uh, we're going to come back and, and we're taking our Jermaine Racing Geico 13 to Richmond to go test on Monday and Tuesday. So not much of an off weekend. We get, a, I guess, an extended week. Um, we got a couple of days off. But uh, I'm going to go out west and recover and come back and be ready to go. Got a few days of vacation before they go to Darlington, but Ty Dillon going to try to improve on one of his best runs of the year last year when they get to Darlington in a couple weeks. Dylan, thank you. So one of Ty's favorite tracks and one of our favorite weekends. It's not just the cars that go vintage. Here's a look at the cover for this year's program for fans to buy at the track. It's a montage celebrating those seven decades of NASCAR featuring past and also present champions as well as some future stars as well. Looks pretty good. Up next, there have been eight different winners in the last eight races at Road America. Who might join that list this week? And our analysts are making some picks that may surprise you. Can you guess who they're going to take? That's coming up next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. seems like every time we win, it has to do something with fixing a wrecked race car, but wrecked right off the bat, fixed it. He, Kirk drove his tail off. We battled all day long and came away with the victory. It had been a while since the 41 team celebrated in victory lane, 58 races to be exact, but that wait finally came to an end Saturday night at Bristol. They are the third of four Stuart Haas racing teams to qualify for the playoffs with a victory. Be sure to join us tomorrow here on NASCAR America, 5 o'clock Eastern, same time, same place. We're going to be speaking with Hall of Famer Bill Elliott, who, of course, returns this Saturday in the Xfinity Series at Road America. I am so excited about this, and I'm wondering <laughs> what his thoughts are going in. You can find out tomorrow at 5 Eastern right here because he's going to speak with us. Um, let's pull up the Xfinity Series standings if we can and just take a look at where things stand as we make some predictions for the weekend. So we spoke with Jeremy Clements, who was the underdog who pulled off the upset last year at Road America on the show just a short time ago. DJ, as you look at this playoff leaderboard with four regular season races remaining in Road America up ahead, who stands out to you? Well, I think it's a couple of drivers that are, are going to make it in. They're sitting there in ninth and 10th. They're going to get into the playoffs. But these two drivers, I believe, Austin Sendrick and Matt Tiff, have basically put themselves in, in my opinion, as the favorites this weekend. They're outstanding road racers. Uh, we saw Matt Tiff last year at this very race uh, battle right to the end with Jeremy Clements. Uh, got spun out there and, and didn't get the job done, but he's run awfully well. He ran good at mid-Ohio where Austin Sendrick dominated the race, did everything right except for 
having the wrong strategy as it turned out at the end. And uh, so I think this is the opportunity for one of these two drivers to get that first Xfinity win and lock themselves into the playoffs. No doubt. And I think Austin Cindric, I mean, he has to be the clear-cut favorite going into the weekend. The 22 car has been dominant on the road courses of Mid-Ohio, Road America. All the, any driver they plug in there seems to run up front and be a threat to win. So I think definitely he is. I think Matt Tipped is kind of that underdog story a little bit or, or dark horse that I don't think many would be thinking about. And then, you know, one that's kind of coming to mind, and this is going to sound odd because he's an obvious name, but this is a huge test for him, and that is Christopher Bell. You know, going into the road courses, he was really worried. We went in Watkins Glen. He does not have a lot of road course experience, especially as they were having to practice in the wet. He did yeah. a great job there. Then they went to Mid-Ohio, and he was asking me tips about how to get around there and breaking <laughs> styles, that sort of thing. And he did a great job there and had a really good run going uh, till late. So I think this, though, this Road America race will be a huge test for him in terms of his road course skills and if he's really advanced because this place is a place that really exposes if you can really use the brakes well, how well you maximize the car under the brakes and those sorts of things. And that is something that he struggled with. So I think this would be a big test for him. And if he's able to have a good run, it will really boost his confidence on the road courses going forward. The good part for him, though, there's only one more left. Yeah. So I, I think that would be big. You know, but it will help him looking ahead to that Roval in the playoffs. And Justin Allgaier has been great at both of them so far. Watkins Lanny finished 31 at, at Mid-Ohio. So does he continue this hot streak himself and try to get some more playoff He's points? underrated as well. I know he just yeah. won at Mid-Ohio, but I think he is an underrated road racer as well. Justin Allgaier has become an incredible road racer. And for whatever reason, he just finds a way to kind of be there at the end of these races and, and might not dominate them, but finds a way, to, just as he did at Mid-Ohio, to be that threat late. I just think you did such a nice job of showing us in the simulator how unpredictable this track can be yeah, and how yes. difficult this track is. And maybe that's why we've seen so many different drivers over the last couple of races have an opportunity to be there at the end. Well, you've just got a couple things going at you. It's a fast race course. You're going to be using the brakes a ton and the tires wear out a ton. So tire strategy becomes a part of it. And that's where Jeremy Clements got it done last week. But that's why I think it's so unpredictable. Right. And using other cars, too. Yeah, using other cars, yeah. apparently. Too. So yeah. Bill Elliott needs to be hydrating. He's got to <laughs> yes. get his head in the game. He's got to get ready for the weekend and we can't wait to talk to him about it tomorrow right here on NASCAR America. We're back again at five from the Big Oak Table. We'll see you then. Have a great night. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.